Friends, I want to welcome you to this Palm Sunday service here at Preston Hollow Presbyterian Church. It is great that you have come to be a part of this service today. We are glad that you're here as we begin this Holy Week season. We hope that this service uh, is meaningful for you and strengthening for your faith. Uh, this is the beginning of Holy Week where we will be offering uh, a variety of services. We hope that you will uh, choose to participate remotely as you are today. Uh, you will be able to find out more information about that on our website and, and likewise uh, in other ways. It is important for us that you fully participate in this service as much as you would like and as much as you are able. So please download the bulletin. You'll find that button just below the screen. Uh, here today, and that will allow you to sing the hymns, to uh, offer the prayers with us, uh, and to know the order of our service. So we hope that uh, even at a distance that you will find this service uh, meaningful uh, today. We trust that where two or more are gathered, God is surely present, even as we are at a distance via the internet and also by radio. Friends, let us worship holy God. Friends, it is our custom as we come together for worship each week here in the sanctuary to share the peace. But as we are at a distance now, we want to invite you once again to take out your cell phone and to take the opportunity to text or instant message a friend or a family member and let them know that you are thinking about them right now. Take the opportunity to pass the peace with them. Um, in this time of social isolation, it is ever more important that we stay connected and that we endeavor to do so in any possible means. And so as you do this morning, may the peace of Christ be with you all.
Today we continue our Lent sermon series exploring the scripture text from the last week of Jesus' life. This Sunday we are looking at the story of Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem in the Gospel of Mark. Although that is a story that is one that actually takes place on Sunday at the start of the week, it is the scripture that the church retells on this Sunday, Palm Sunday. We are going to engage the text this morning a little differently through study and conversation. And so I'm going to invite you um, at home to pull out your Bible and to turn to the Gospel of Mark chapter 11. If you are wondering how to find the Gospel of Mark, you will remember that it is part of the New Testament. And so um, you can turn to the second half of your Bible. You can also use your table of contents at the front of your Bible to help you locate the Gospel of Mark. I'm also going to invite you to find a pen or a pencil and to underline and circle and to mark up the text as we read. As you listen, you might consider underlining words or phrases that stand out to you. What do you wonder about? What questions do you have about the text? And if you have questions, I'd invite you to write them in the margins or on another um, sheet of paper. And we're going to invite you to enter your questions into the comments on Facebook. And we look forward to engaging with you on those questions in the week ahead. Remember, nothing is too simple or too obvious um, to wonder about. This is especially important when we engage scripture texts that are familiar or are known to us, that those are often exactly the places where the story has to teach us something new. So listen now for a word from the Lord to us, to God's people. When they were approaching Jerusalem at Bethpage and Bethany, near the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it to me. If anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? Just say, The Lord needs it and will send it back immediately. And they went away and found a colt tied near a door outside in the street. As they were untying it, some of the bystanders said to them, Why are you doing this, untying the colt? They told them what Jesus had said, and they allowed them to take it. And they brought the colt to Jesus, and they threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they would have cut down in the fields. Then those who went ahead and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Then he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when they had looked around at everything as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, happy Palm Sunday, friends. Yeah, you too. Happy Palm Sunday. <laughs> so um, those of us, um, there's a lot of tradition that goes on with this Sunday in the church. And uh, those of us who grew up in the church probably have some memories about Palm Sunday. Uh, and so as we get ready to dig into this text, I wonder if you guys might um, reflect a little bit and share a little bit about what are some of your memories from Palm Sunday growing up in the church? What did this day um mean or were there th certain things that you all did um, or were there ways that you remember hearing this story from growing up? Yeah. Me first? Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> um, so I was a preacher's kid and so Palm Sunday was like every Sunday and that my family mm -hmm. went to church. Um, but I do remember Palm Sunday was like 
extra fun because as kids, we got to like wave palm branches in worship and shout Hosanna. Um, and sometimes there was like a model donkey and what kid doesn't like to like wave nature and shout and like pointed animals in the sanctuary. So like all of this was a highlight. Um, so I think my, as a, as a kid, the only takeaway I had Palm Sunday was like joy and celebration, yeah. Yeah. which is interesting because Palm Sunday was this joy and celebration and Easter was this joy and celebration. Yeah. And what happened in between was lost on me yeah. as a kid. Yeah. Um, and so now I look at Palm Sunday um, and I'm aware of like some of the rising tension that happens under that yeah. text, but as a kid, it was just like animals and palm branches. Yeah. And that I, was all I needed. Yeah. I totally thought you were going to say that there was a live donkey. <laughs> and we then I like, was going to be super jealous. We right. Like mache, crepe, paper, something donkey that yeah. would like roll in for Advent with Mary and <laughs> Joseph and like roll back in for Palm Sunday. And you like weren't allowed to touch it because you could break it. <laughs> That it was very cool. <laughs> that that's amazing. That's it's, amazing. Matthew, what about you? This is like the one instance where I feel like having a live animal would have been easier right. than like rolling <laughs> in a paper mache. Life size paper mache donkey. Yeah, yeah. But I gotta give him credit. I mean, that's actually pretty amazing. It yeah. is pretty amazing. Um, I we did say, not have that. For me, it was uh, very similar, minus the paper mache donkey <laughs> part. But I think as a kid, uh, there was this like anticipation mm -hmm. uh, that you could feel in the sanctuary on Palm Sunday, and it was very joyful. But I uh, have distinct memories of being a young person, and everyone in the church had a yeah. palm branch, mm -hmm. not just one, like little skinny one. Yeah. We had like the whole uh, the whole fawn. Is that what we call that? The entire thing. We, a whole yeah. fawn. I think that's what we call it. And we would wave it. But one yeah. of the things that I remember is um, that we would take uh, a strip off and we would uh, fold it into a cross. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I could remember spending uh, the entire service making those little crosses. And I don't know if this was a tradition at my church, mm -hmm. but I just remember people would hand one another the crosses that they yeah. made during that service. And, and I, I would have mine for the whole year. I'd put it up in my room like on my bulletin mm -hmm. board or something. Uh, back when we had things like bulletin, bulletin boards. boards. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, but that was a, a great memory uh, that I have from Palm Sunday. Mm -hmm. But like you, um, I had Palm Sunday and Easter, but everything in between was sort of lost on me as a mm -hmm. young person. Yeah. Uh, we, we mentioned um, in the introduction to our time that um, sometimes with stories that are familiar, which happens around Advent and Christmas, the Christmas story, right. um, the Palm Sunday story, we often think we know what the story is without reading our Bibles. Even before we we open the text, everybody's like, oh yeah, Mary Joseph, the baby, I got this. Like <laughs> palm fronds, like I, I know how this story goes. And uh -huh. so sometimes stories that we are most familiar with are mm -hmm. um, the best for taking a step back and saying, um, how do I remove my preconceived notions from the text and enter this text anew so that it might teach me something yeah. new? Uh, so as we have kind of um, entered into conversation and you have read this text this week, I wonder um, what has stood out to you um, as you read it afresh? Was there a word or yeah. a phrase or a part of the story that you thought, I thought this was, I assumed this was in there or I yeah. assumed something wasn't in there um, that you noticed that was new? There was actually a note in uh, my study Bible around the word Hosanna and what that means. And so I think I was drawn to that this year in a way that I haven't been drawn to it in years past. And so Hosanna is um, 
in my notes, it says, um, there it is. Uh, it means save, please. Or in the Hebrew root of that means um, save, we pray. Yeah, I think this year I read the text and was so drawn to the role the disciples play mm. because like Jesus is always asking crazy things of the disciples, you yeah. know, like drop your nets and follow me. Yeah. Let the children come, like bury your dad later. Like Jesus is always asking these kind of challenging things. And so yet again, Jesus is like, go into the city and get this donkey. Yeah. And if they ask questions, like tell them it's for me. Yeah. Um, and I just wonder, like we don't get any glimpse into the disciples reaction. Mm. And yeah. I wonder like on one hand, are they mm. like, oh, here we go again. Like another crazy request yeah. from Jesus. Like, I mm. guess we'll figure out where this is going later. Or do they know that a life of faith always involves like some willingness to say yes to the mm -hmm. unknown. Um, what I love about that is that I think sometimes that's something we also take for granted when we start to study a text is allowing our imaginations to take us somewhere yeah. to wonder not just what is in the text that we've made assumptions about, but what is not in the text. Right. So I'm going to put you guys yeah. on the spot a little mm -hmm. bit. <laughs> right away, it, we are told that Jesus is... Um, he is approaching the city of Jerusalem. And this seems important. Right. Um, of course, everything would end in Jerusalem. The whole gospel has been building towards the cross in yeah. the uh, gospel of Mark. And um, it is clear that Jesus is going to have to go through Jerusalem in, in order to get to the cross. Yeah. yeah. You, I mean, I want to, you guys have said some really important things. And so I want to make sure that folks have heard them. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, you both are lifting up that on the one hand, I mean, Jerusalem, this is a place of real religious significance for Jews right. um, and that there are a lot of layers to that. Mm -hmm. And included in particular in that is that at this time in which Jesus is entering the city, it's going to be massively crowded. Yes. Oh, um, yeah. That, Huge. That, yes. You know, that this more was than a, usual. Yes. More than like usual. Texas OU weekend. Yes, <laughs> right? exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Like Texas OU weekend or, you know, we think of downtown New York City, but extra, extra. Um, which is ironic to think about in a time when we're all social distancing, but yeah. th this would have been a time when, si when the city would have been um, packed. And we know Texas OU weekend, other times when, um, you know, Austin city limits, when crowds gather, mm -hmm. the presence of police and the government are present. Mm -hmm. So this was, there's, there's some layers of religious significance. The city would have been crowded with people and there would have been some, some tension. Yeah. I think we can all hear, we're like, oh yeah, what could go wrong? It'll be fine. <laughs> um, you know, but th there right. are, I mean, this is a real um, sort of cauldron um, and, and I even more interesting, and I have a feeling we will unfold this and unpack this as we go, that Jesus decides to do this. Yeah. Um, right. that there is some, he is not just like, oh, we'll wander from Galilee into Jerusalem, that he is a very intentionally approaching um, from Galilee, from the Mount of Olives into Jerusalem. And he, he tells the disciples, he's like, go get that donkey, we're going in. Well, and I think that that's a really important point that we need to highlight, because I'm not, I gotta tell you, um, maybe they taught us this in seminary, but I don't remember it. I mean, there were two parades happening at the same time. Yeah, so while Jesus was processing in with his disciples on this cult at the same time, um, Pontius Pilate was processing in with military force on the opposite side of the city. So they're riding into the city um, simultaneously. One is a peasant parade and one is a military parade. Right. Um, and so it was risky. 
it was tense. Yeah. Um, and, and we read, it makes the people who stood at the crowd, it makes Jesus's actions significantly more like radical and brave and rebellious, mm -hmm. knowing that the military was processing at the same time. And that is what you miss when you're a kid waving the palm fronds yeah. singing Hosanna. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, the text doesnn't tell us that. Yeah. Um, so. Well, and well, one, can I add one thing to that real yeah. quick? Yeah. I think one of the things that has sort of blown me away in, in my Lenten journey is I, um, so I've learned this quote unquote, like best kept secret several years ago, but I asked the question, why are they coming as a show of force? Well, I, I learned this in Alexander Shia's uh, scholarship, 10 years before Jesus's birth, there had been um, a skirmish, not just a skirmish, there had been a battle. Uh, the Jews uh, had an uprising against the Roman military and they actually conquered Jerusalem and kept it for 50 days. And it was on the Jewish uh, uh, festival of Shavuot, uh, that day um, where our Jewish brothers and sisters celebrate when Moses goes to Mount Sinai and hears God's voice. It's on the 50th day of their occupation that Rome sends in centurions and just there is massive bloodshed mm -hmm. in the streets. Uh, there, uh, thousands of uh, Jews died, hundreds of Roman military uh, personnel die, and all of the um, pilgrims who have flocked to Jerusalem uh, lots of them die as well. There is bloodshed in the street. So when I learned that, I thought, oh, no wonder they come in as a show of force mm -hmm. to say, wait a second, we are coming in and we are watching. So right. I know that you may be inspired, but you better check yourself mm -hmm. when it comes to what this may mean this week. And so when we, when I learned that and, and you hold up Jesus's processional, oh man, it's a different thing. Yeah, I mean, so you guys are, I mean, so let's let's just go here. Since we're going to go with the parade, let's just go. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So part, I mean, part of what is important that you guys are lifting up is the sort of Palm Sunday best kept secret, which is that um, while we often in church, we just know about the Hosannas and, and the Jesus the parade, <laughs> that there were some other dynamics happening, one of which was that during crowded festival times that the governor um, would come into the city with military force, as Matthew said, to right. me, as a reminder of, don't forget, we're here. Right. But, but beyond that, I mean, something that, that I think you're also leaning into is that there is some real comparison between the kingdom of God and Jesus and this parade yeah. and the kingdom of empire yeah. and, and Pilate and that parade. And so I wonder um, if there's a little bit you might tease out there about <laughs> um about the the contrasting nature of those two things and and why they're placed in tension and what it says about each yeah i feel like i've talked a lot <laughs> <laughs> so well the thing that jumps off right away in my mind is roman thought was that political leaders mm. were divine yes. um and oh, so yeah. they believed that like caesar pontius pilate like not only were they kings and rulers, governors, they yeah. were the son of God. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so um, so people were expected to treat them yes. as such, as yes. divine. Yes. Um, and then here comes Jesus from Nazareth, mm -hmm. yeah. who also is saying that he's the son of God. Yeah. And so we have two leaders who operate drastic, like polar opposite ways. One yeah. is through brutality and force yeah. and hierarchy. Yeah. And one is saying, yeah. 
let the children come to me and I'm going to heal the sick and I'm going to eat with yeah. the tax collectors. They're both claiming to be the son of God. Yeah. Um, and they're both promising a very different understanding right. of what yeah. that kingdom should look like. Yeah. I do want to sort of lean into something else that that is important about this text that you guys have danced around, which is that I think I think we know this, but it's it's never um, it's always important to say that Jesus was a Jew. Right. Right. Um, and as were all of the people in these stories, right? Romans and Jews. And, and um, sometimes it's tempting, especially as we enter into Holy Week into the story, to think about the stories, Jesus versus the Jews, but that that's not no. what's happening here yeah. at all. Um, and so there are some things that we um, are probably missing um, as Christians and as readers of the text this day that are layered into the text if you knew G Jewish, Jewish history, mm -hmm. which all those who were speaking the story, who were reading the story, who would have heard it and experienced it, would have understood. Right. So mm -hmm. I, um, I want to just sort of dive into that corner for a little bit about um, how understanding the, the Jewish history helps us understand the text better. Yeah. Um, and what might be lurking in the background. And one of the places that this sort of shows up is with, Matthew, you started to go down this road, which was what made me think about it, was the donkey. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. um, the, their, um, I mean, that's one of the questions that I sort of honed in on as I was like underlining my Bible and trying yeah. to remove myself from the text is I'm like, why a donkey? What's up right. with that? Uh, why not, you know, why not the war horse? Why, yeah, not, yeah. why not a regular horse? Why not a, I don't know. Um, what what is going on there that that there's more to the history of the of the Jewish text? Anybody want to dive in that? Yeah. Yeah. So um, the book of Zechariah in the Old Testament lifts up this donkey, and there's a, um, a prophecy that uh, from chapter nine that says. Lo, the king comes to you, triumphant and victorious is he, humble and riding on a donkey. Mm. Um, and so, like, I think the, the people in the streets would have known that text. Yes. They would have mm. been familiar with it. Like, that they're Jesus showing up, is fulfilling the prophecy. Yes. Right. Um, yeah. So they're showing up to Jerusalem for these high holy days. They certainly yeah. are familiar with the Hebrew text. Yeah. They would have had this refrain in their mind that the king, who is triumphant, yeah. comes in riding on a donkey. Yep. And so there feels like there's this fulfillment where they could yes. have looked at this moment of Jesus riding in and thought, oh, this is it. Yep. Oh, this is what yep. we've been talking about yep. for hundreds of yep. years. Yep. Um, and probably if you have a study Bible, your study Bible might have a note that says, yep. um, that references Zechariah. And that's what this is talking yes. about. Yes. Um, and so that can be a helpful just yes. nugget to pay attention to. It yes. adds another layer of depth to think they've been waiting for this. So I, we've kind of we've kind of danced around a bunch of stuff and looked at a, a, a bunch of different things in the text. We've talked about, um, you know, the politics, the layers of religion, um, sort of the layers of Judaism that are present in here. And so I want to shift a little bit to talking about um, something we started to bring up, which is about Jesus, the idea that Jesus did this intentionally. Mm. Um, we, we, we started our conversation thinking about um, our Palm Sunday experiences, which as children are about the paper mache donkey and the palm right. fronds and the tying of the crosses. Um, and I think what yeah. you all have teased out quite a bit is that there's a lot of risk in this story. Oh man. Um, which is something that I think often we don't maybe have great memories of of kids. Cause why, you know, mm -hmm. why would we, we just know about, mm -hmm. about the fun parade. Um, but, 
but every good story has has some history and it has some risk. And we've yeah. talked a lot about the history, so let's talk a little bit about the risk. Um, where where do you see some of the risk um, of life, the risk of faith um, for Jesus, and maybe even delving a little bit into inter- interpretation here for us? Um, mm. Just riff a little bit about the risk in the story. Yeah. What is Jesus risking? I think, uh, not to oversimplify this, uh, the great risk in all of this is life. Mm. Like Jesus is literally risking mm. his life. Yes. It, 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 does, it should not fall on deaf, deaf ears that uh, after this parade, Jesus goes to the temple. It says that he looks around and then he, and he leaves. leaves. I mean, yeah. uh, any yeah. uh, good literature teacher is going to say that is foreshadowing, yeah. <laughs> right? Like yeah. we are coming back here. Yeah. We're going to take a look around and we're probably not going to like what we see. Yeah. Right. And so I think, uh, simply put, Jesus is uh, risking life. But I think um, it, it, the layers of that mm. is uh, Jesus is risking exposing that a particular way of life may be hollowed out. Yeah. And it may not be just and it may uh, be uh, it it may be exploitive mm. and there may be a different way to live. Yeah. Um, and I think the other risk that Jesus is going to expose is uh, when you confront that, this is what's going to happen. Mm. And so uh, let's go ahead and show that. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I, that. I, I hope that's not oversimplifying. It, no, but. I don't think so at all. Yeah. Um, Sarah, would you, what would you add, if anything, to that? I mean, I think that hits the nail on the head. I, it is not blind to me that um, right before this story, Jesus predicts his death for a third time. Yeah. yeah. And so he, I feel like yeah. he, he knows what he's yeah. doing. He yeah. knows yeah. that like, the more he continues to speak about a life that mm-hmm. could be so much more beautiful than mm-hmm. what the empire is offering, the yeah. more yeah. the empire is going to hate him, yeah. right? Yeah. And so, and that's the way history has been yeah. for forever. Um, and so he he predicts his death, and then he rides into Jerusalem, and yeah. and I don't think he's safe. And so right. they leave for the night. Yeah. Um, and he yeah. kind Good of point. does this journey again. Yeah. Um, so I do think. I wonder if the disciples were aware of the risk. Right. Like I know Jesus is aware of the risk because yeah, he's sure. predicting his death. Sure. But I want like what we don't know is how aware is the crowd and the disciples. Mm. Like it's possible that they're freaking out and yeah. they're like, Jesus, this is a death wish. Like yeah. let's not do this. Like Pontius Pilate's rolling into town on the other side. Like let's yeah. just stay over here and be quiet. Um, or maybe they're thinking um, we have such utter faith in this man. There's no way he'll get crucified. Mm-hmm. We yeah. are fireproof. Let's do yeah. whatever. Yeah, I don't right. know. Yeah. That is interesting yeah. to me. Yeah. Um, it, that, uh, both things. There's so much I, I yeah. want to, I love what both of you offer. I mean, on the one hand, I mean, Sarah, what just listening to you now, I mean, one of the things that you're lifting up is that we have not really talked about um, is the threat of crucifixion, mm-hmm. um, which in the Roman Empire was real. I mean, it is, mm-hmm. um, it was the way that the state used power um, over life and death. And what was most important about crucifixion is that it was public. Right. Um, So really it was in so many ways was less about the crucified and more about um, making a, um, making a message, making a statement. Right. Um, And so in, if you think a parade is a show of force. Right. Yeah. Crucifixion Um, is is the ultimate show of force. Yes, it is. It is. um, And so I, you do, you wonder if, some of that also lingers in the background. And um, so, Matthew, I mean, Matthew, as you said, I think kind of hone in on it, that it sounds simple, but that at its core, this is a story about life and death. 
about what is worth living for Mm -hmm. and what is worth dying for and how do you tell the difference and in the midst of that when has god acted before will god act again how will god act Mm -hmm. um we could there's that's a I mean, that sort of strikes me at my core as a very resonant question mm-hmm. um, as a person of faith that I want to sit with for quite a while. Yeah. Um, and that, that maybe as we enter into these, you know, Sarah, you mentioned Palm Sunday, Easter, sort of miss the in-between, yeah. that, that maybe what Palm Sunday is inviting us to linger in those questions mm-hmm. in the days ahead. Yes, like, and Sarah, I think that's so important because, and I don't know how long we've been going. I, I could do this forever. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> And maybe we, uh, Thomas, maybe we should like just make all of this available if people are interested. But I think one of the, the um, I think your invitation is so good because I think it's so easy for us to talk about these two parades mm-hmm. and for us to switch into the binary and say, oh, no, 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 I'm on Jesus' side. Or, and I would never be caught on that side. And the tension of faith is we are never fully one thing. Yeah. Like we are constantly living in this tension, even right now, between empire and faithfulness and and. And so we need to live in that tension because we exhibit this tension in our lives yeah. Yeah. all the time. Yeah. I think that's one of the great messages of Holy Week is um, power can be seductive. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right? The yeah. riches of empire can seduce all of us. I mean, particularly as Americans, we, oh, we got to get clear on that, right? Don't think so. yeah. And yet there is also this other way to live that we can live in tension with those things. And, and there was a reason that the early followers were... They followed the way. Yeah. And so what is the way of Jesus for us in these times? And I think it's really important for us not to just offer up answers for ourselves so that others can like try those on. But I think that that is the invitation to faith is for us to to sit in that tension and to begin to answer those questions for our own. Yeah. That as Jesus heads toward the cross, the question, you know, sort of the echoes of take up your cross and follow me. Yeah. Um, And and if that doesn't, like that gives me goosebumps, you, right. know, you know. And that's been the invitation the whole time. Like yeah. it started with follow me. Yes. Right. And it ends with follow yes. me. Yes. Um, and so what yes. does that look like? Yes. Yeah. Well, and, and as we have tried, I think tried to demonstrate with walking through Holy Week that, um, yeah, I mean, sometimes I think we think of as we head in toward the cross that this is just um, some sort of isolated predicted event, but that really following this is this is another continuation of the way it is. Um, of of the way that Jesus calls us um to live and and what that means and so maybe those are the questions for us um as a community of faith I, we so we I think we have to go here because right. I think there's always good news in the text yeah. and um I mean one of the things that I um have learned that I think is really interesting about the lenten season is we do we often think about lent as that season into to death and darkness uh-huh. and denial of self but that in its 40 days, but that the Sundays are not counted in the 40 days. And part of the reason for that is that there is um, a bit of, the tradition leans into a bit of rejoicing on Sundays, which is a way of saying of even in the darkness, even Mm -hmm. in the heavy questions of life and death, of take up your cross, that there's always good news. Mm -hmm. So um, what do you see as, um, as the good news in this text? I love this question. I think for me, this text feels like there is like deep hope, like bubbling up from the surface Mm. because I think about the people in the city who saw Jesus come in and I feel like they could have had two responses. Mm. They could have one said, um, 
it has never worked to dream of a better life. Mm -hmm. We have been under empire for forever. Mm -hmm. We will always be under the thumb of oppression. Why would I dare to to think about a more beautiful Mm -hmm. way? And they could have turned their back to Jesus Mm -hmm. and and kind of remained in their lane. Yeah. Or the other option is to say, what if there is something better? And what if this is a glimpse? And what if I can stand here and just point to it and say, I'm choosing hope. I am choosing Mm -hmm. to imagine that there is a better way. Um, And in the midst now, like in our time, I think we always have this opportunity to say, I'm going to choose hope and mm-hmm. I'm going to choose to point to the things to me that look like a more beautiful way. And I'm not just going to yeah. going to give up and say mm-hmm. this world is lost and we're never going to recover. Yeah. Um, I'm going to choose to believe that there is life after death and mm. that there is Hosanna in the midst of a military parade. And mm. I'm going to stand. I'm going to try to be close to that. Yeah. Um, and so that uh, that feels like good news to me that like there's yeah. part of this inherent part of our faith is this this choice to be hopeful for what could be better. Mm, that's beautiful. Oh, I, I love, love that. It. I love it. And I feel the tension because I want to go ahead and take this to Easter, right? And I think yeah. that's the tension of Palm Sunday. Um, and, and I may end up taking it there because I just can't help myself. But <laughs> I think one of the interesting things to me in, in, in the good news in this text is when we think about the Passover, the Passover was this night when, um, when God was going to swoop in Right? And so it, it was this understanding that God was distant. In this text, God is not distant. God is uh, Christ, uh, the, the word made flesh, the light of the world, uh, Emmanuel, God with us, is actually the focal point of the entire narrative. Mm. It is that God is in the midst of all of this and actually is in the center of it. Yeah. And so as I think about what the good news is in this text for me right now, is that... Um, no matter what role or character you identify with, uh, good, bad, whatever, um, God is still the center of this story. Mm-hmm. And this story is taking mm-hmm. us to a place um, that no one would have expected. Yeah. That this God is going to head to a cross. And see, I don't want to jump to Easter, but this is not the story of a God who well, swoops in and saves and doesn't, you don't have to suffer pain. This is the story of a God who is going to suffer pain and walk alongside of you. Yeah. And yeah, God, I, mean, I, what think, a message. I think that, I mean, I, I, you know, it tips toward Easter, but it doesn't. I mean, part of the, part of the risk and maybe the life and death is that, that Christ does enter into this space, right. that, yeah, yeah, yeah. that there are not places of our lives, places of tension, places of violence for which God is off limits. Mm-hmm. Right. And so God enters that story. And I think that's a beautiful, um, I think that's a beautiful piece of good news. And I, and I love this piece of good news of hopefulness. You know, because, and Sarah, part of what you're saying as well is that hope is not the denial of the reality around us, which, oh, you know, that, mm-hmm. that hope is um, in the midst of the world we live in, in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of death and suffering, we tell the truth about the way the world is, and we lean into what God is doing. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think those two things kind of come together perfectly yeah. in that way, yeah. that, um, that God journeys alongside of us, that there are not places in our lives that are off limits um, and in the midst of that, we, we tell the truth and we lead into what God is and will do. Yeah. Um, and that, um, that feels hopeful to me. Yeah. yeah me so, um, 
Well, thanks, y'all. This has been fun. Oh, this yeah. has been so much fun, guys. Let's <laughs> do this again. Friends, we hope that um, that this time has been nourishing and challenging for you and that you have um, had an opportunity to dive into the text with us and to gain some tools for yourself about study, but also to linger in some of the questions of Palm Sunday and of these days ahead as we head into Easter. So um, blessings on you this day and this week as we worship Holy God. Friends, we know right now that giving may be especially hard but we want to invite you to think of ways that you might still be able to contribute to the continuing ministry and mission of Preston Hollow. It is ever more important that we continue that, and so we want to encourage you to do that. If you wish to make a new gift to the church, we want to invite you to put that in the mail as we are receiving um, contributions um, the old-fashioned way. You can also text to give. The number for that is on your screen, and we want to invite you to do that. If you are watching on Facebook Live today, you can make a comment in the comment section that you would like to make a contribution, and we will be pleased to follow up with you and to allow for that to happen. We also want you to know that on our website, there is a list of organizations that are regular ministry partners with us, and we want to invite you to consider helping them as they help uh, those who are the most vulnerable in our community. Uh, for we do indeed believe that all belong to God and we live like we belong to one another. And so even and especially during times like this, we want to live that vision out each and every day. Let us now give our offering to the Lord. Friends, let us now pray to our holy God. O oh God, we gather as your faithful people, 
with hosannas on our lips, praising you for your grace and your goodness to us. We are thankful that you hold us close and that you concern yourself with the details of our lives. As we worship you this day, we are ever mindful of Christ's sacrificial journey to Jerusalem and all the pomp and circumstance that surrounded his arrival, the waving of palm branches and the shouts and cheers. We know that he made that journey for our sake. Help us, dear Lord, to prepare the way for your presence in our lives in fresh ways. We know this Palm Sunday to be such a strange paradox, for the King is coming and the people rejoice singing Hosanna in the highest. Yet they fail to understand that the King they welcome is the servant King, the King who washes his disciples' feet, the King who came not with an army, but with a weapon so powerful that not even death could resist the sacrificial love of Christ. In new and unexpected ways, O God, our Lenten journey has become an arduous way to the cross in company with Christ. And so we lean into the sacrificial love of Christ as we pray for our hurting world. We pray for Christian communities around the world. May their loving care for all in need be a powerful sign of the saving love of Christ. We pray for frontline health workers and all essential service personnel. May their dedication inspire us to new levels of generous service and neighborly care. We pray for all of those who are working diligently to find a cure for this virus. We remember those most vulnerable to the many social, economic, and medical effects of the coronavirus. We ask, O Lord, that you would be with the chronically ill, with the poor and with the homeless. May each one know your nearness in meaningful ways. We pray for all those whose mental health is jeopardized by isolation and by confinement. May the support of family and friends help them cope with this challenge. We pray for the staff and volunteers of all helping agencies. May they care for one another as they respond to more and more calls for assistance. Lord, we pray for one another. May we find new ways to pray, new ways to connect in faith and in observance during this holy week, a week like no other. We pray for the recently deceased, especially those who have died from the coronavirus and for those whose anniversary of death occurs around this time. May each rest from their labors, and may you comfort their survivors as they live with this difficult time. Gracious God, give us a keen sense of your Spirit's movement in our midst, that we might respond to you with enthusiasm and openness to your guiding presence. We pray that you would continue to lead us along our Lenten journey in ways that call to our minds once again the depths of your love and care for us at all times and in every circumstance of life. We lift this prayer and all our prayers in the strong name of your Son, our Savior Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, 
thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Friends, we look forward to being with you this week on Monday, Thursday, and then again on Good Friday for our service of Tenebrae as we finish our Lenten journey. So as we go forth from this time of worship to be the church in the world, may God give us the grace never to sell ourselves short, grace to risk something big for something good, grace to recognize that the world is now too dangerous for anything but truth and far too small for anything but love. So may God take our minds and think through them. May God take our lips and speak through them. And may God take our hearts, each and every one of them, and set them on fire. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all and guide us in our many, 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 many different ways this day and all of our days. May it be so. Amen. Amen.